Taste Crime Cast, a podcast about murder and bad taste. And bad taste. <laughs> I'm Vicky. I'm Janelle. And we're back again. Tag team. Back again. Yeah. Yep. No. 90 songs. She doesn't seem <laughs> <she doesn't laughs> as excited. <laughs> yes, we are back. Welcome back if you have joined us before. And if this, this is your, blah, blah, blah. This Let is me your go first back. time. We're sorry. Yes. <laughs> this is your first time. Sorry about that. No. If this is your first time listening, a special hello to you. Hey, <laughs> you've stumbled on our little humble podcast. Hey, Grassi. Thanks. What's up? <laughs> Fall is here. It's nice and chilly out. Getting prepped this for like Halloween. My, yeah, this is like my favorite, favorite month. I love cold weather. Yeah. I love fall leaves. Yes. I love pumpkin, literally pumpkin everything. I sound like a fucking idiot. <laughs> literally pumpkin everything. Give me all the pumpkins. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Apple orchard. Judge me if you will. Cozy sweaters. All the fall things. <laughs> This is, we've just turned this into a fall podcast where we just discuss our love of fall. Can we talk about crafts too? Yes. I don't know how you would do crafting on a podcast because, you know, you'd have to like live stream it too, I think. That's cool. I'm fine with that. Fall crafts. We have another It would just be coming. a lot of me being like, so now you got, oh fuck, it's stuck to the thing. Hold on. God Son damn it. Oh <laughs> uh, gosh. All right. Well, let's start off, I guess. Yeah. With some, how about a disappearance story? That sounds good. Okay. Um, this is actually one that I've been wanting to talk about for, yeah, so a little bit of news today. Um, it's actually about the disappearance of Kim Wall, who is a Swedish, uh, journalist. And she disappeared a couple weeks ago in August, um, the night of August 10th, after she boarded a homemade submarine made by Peter Madsen. It does sound a little ridiculous. So she is, um, he's a Danish inventor. Peter Madsen is a Danish inventor and he built the submarine after it was crowdfunded in 2008. Mm -hmm. And I believe it's also the largest privately owned submarine. Okay. As well. How many people privately own a submarine? <laughs> I can't be that many if he's got the largest, <laughs> is what I'm thinking. Um, so Kim Wall was a freelance uh, journalist, and she went out to do a piece on Peter Madsen and how he built this 40-ton submarine and all this other stuff. Well, after she boarded the submarine, she was never heard from again. Oh, my gosh. So initially, well, so what happened um, is she she didn't returned back. Her boyfriend reported her missing. And then I believe before police were able to question him, they were actually um, fishing Peter out of a, like a harbor because his submarine had sunk. Oh my gosh. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when they finally um, pick him up, he initially says that he had dropped her off before he um, came back to to the harbor. Um, then he changed his story and said that Kim Wall had died at sea. And so he had buried her body like an accident happened. And so he buried her so at he sea. So he buried her? Right. That sounds super yeah. fucking fishy. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I, it seems all weird. And then um, 
they found her body in the harbor. What they found was a torso and the limbs had been deliberately cut off. Okay. Yes. Yes. So we still don't know what happened once she was on the submarine. Peter Madsen has not pled guilty to anything. Um, He still uh, maintains that there was an accident um, that happened on the submarine. And so this case is still developing. This is kind of what we know at the time of this recording. If there's an update, I'll definitely record something and we'll tack it on the end. But um, I, it's just very interesting to me. There's a lot of really interesting things surrounding this case, this guy, this guy who kind of invented the submarine and the reporter who goes to cover it that goes missing. Yeah, so it's um, very sensational. Yeah. I definitely am going to be interested Um to see what happens. And since it's happening in Denmark, the legal system is a little different. Yeah, a lot different, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So nobody's really kind of sure what he's going to be charged with, if he's Mm going to be charged with anything. They're still trying to figure some stuff out. So that's kind of just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I feel like definitely he did that. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We'll have to see. Yeah. See what happens. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So I was on Facebook... I, I feel like we did this exact same thing on the last episode. I saw this thing on Facebook, um, and I wanted to tell yeah. you guys about it. Uh, so <laughs> I'm I was, I'm part of the My Favorite Murder group on there, because obviously, I fucking love that podcast. Hello. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, they just did, they're in Australia right now, and they just did their oh, show in Melbourne. Nice. Okay. Excuse me, let me say it correctly. Melbourne. 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 Um... And I guess it was a huge fucking debacle. Really? Um, I guess there was a heckler in the audience and oh, was screaming no. while Georgia was trying to tell her story that they were making fun of murder and that they should be ashamed of themselves. And she, like, left the stage and, like, did not come back on. Oh, jeez. So it was pretty bad. Um, so the girl on the Facebook page, I, I know by the time this comes out, it's going to be old yeah. news. Yeah. But... The girl on the Facebook page is like, you know, if you guys want to do something for her to make her feel better. And they started um, a donation page to de- uh, donate stuff to the domestic abuse, uh-huh. which we had just discussed last we week. We did. Yes, we um, did. Um, but I just kind of wanted to talk about it because yeah. I know that they've been in, you know, the news recently. There was that article yeah. written about them and stuff. Yeah. And, and I know you and I have kind of talked about that, too. We've had a discussion about There's, this before, so, yeah. This podcast for us is is a really personal thing. It's something that we really enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely, like, this weird stigma, I think, that comes with it that mm-hmm. we're maybe insensitive right. to some of these things that we talk about or we're weird for finding for an interest finding in it this. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I have always felt like... I want to talk about this and bring a show like this to you guys because uh, people need to be more aware of what's happening mm-hmm. in the world. Um, it's interesting to look at the psychology yes. of killers. And we we try to focus on victims, too, mm-hmm. just as much. Um, bringing up the justice system and, yeah. and the way that it's flawed and and how we can create better laws. I mean, for me as a woman, uh, talking about like murder and serial killers and things is important because it's very in the forefront of my mind constantly mm-hmm. because I have had experiences in my life where scary things have happened to me right. and it has made me more aware of what to look for and behaviors of people. I mean, 
I've almost been a, you know, I was almost abducted when I was a child. There were things that happened to me when a teenager where I was almost assaulted. So for me, it's important and I find it fascinating. It's not, we're not making fun of people. It's not making fun of murder. And I don't want people to feel like that's what these podcasts are doing. We are telling people stories who cannot tell it themselves. Mm -hmm. And we are highlighting uh, killers and, and murderers so that people can better understand the psychology behind it, what causes a person to do these things, right. how we can prevent them from happening, ways that we can change laws so that victims are helped. Um, I don't, I mean, I, we call ourselves yeah. a bad taste crime cast we do, because we, do we try joke to bring around. Yeah, humor it's to it. It's easier to talk about a heavy subject when you have some humor in it, but at the end of the day, we feel for the victims that we talk about. We take this stuff very seriously mm-hmm. and, I don't think that it's ours or uh, any other, you know, like true crime podcast. I don't think it's the intention to be making this, like making fun of murders, making fun of people dying. Like that's not the intention. That's not what it is. It just makes it easier to bring humor to something dark. Um, so that it's easier to talk yeah. about. And quite honestly, <laughs> if you feel that way, you shouldn't be listening to our fucking podcast. Right. Go that, away. <laughs> that person shouldn't have bought a fucking yeah, ticket to why? see them. Why would you waste your money to go heckle? It's awful. This just, it blows it my mind. Yeah. And I mean, yes, we people do say insensitive things on these podcasts in a joking manner. But that, in particular, My Favorite Murder, they donate a master. Like, a very vast majority of their proceeds to causes. It's not like they're making a ton of money off of what they're doing. And I definitely feel like um, that happening, Mm -hmm. uh, which I didn't even know happened until you just said it now. Um, But they were, like she said, they were recently in the news for something that was a potentially racist comment. I didn't hear it. I I haven't listened to that show, so I'm not too sure about that. But, like, it's definitely made... Us as women podcasters, I think, kind of look at how we do our show mm-hmm. and really examine some of the things that we say. So that's, you know, sorry we got a little serious there. Yeah, I got minute, real serious for a hot minute. <laughs> no, I think it needs to be said that it's... I just want to defend fellow podcasters and yeah. let them know that it's okay to talk about these yeah. topics and not be afraid. We do, we do podcast agrees. because we want to <laughs> be able to speak our mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and we realize that we might get judged for some of that, and that's what fine. comes with the fucking territory, and that's it's, fine. It's about the discussion. Yeah. It's about yeah, bringing absolutely. a discussion. If you're talking about it, then we did our job. <laughs> exactly. Yes. There's no right, there's no wrong, as nope. long as there is a discussion started. I mean, don't that's murder people. That's wrong. Yeah, I mean, yes. That, that's, that's where the discussion. That's where the wrong part of it comes in. <laughs> oh, God. That was good. That, that felt good. Yeah. Because I've been like... I want to talk about this. Yeah, no. I, I think that's the a good article thing. that was written. I was just like, I'm not even going to yeah. touch that with a ten foot pole. I would love <laughs> to hear your guys' thoughts. If you mm-hmm. want to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious, yeah, to what our listeners have to say. So, um, with that being said, <laughs> let's move on to the show. <laughs> what are we talking about this week? <laughs> We're going to talk about some motherfucking murder. Yeah, but like. <laughs> Specifically. Yeah. So this week we are talking <laughs> about me, killer, like yeah, killer couples. Oh yeah, we're a couple of podcasters. Hey, <laughs> Dude, finger guns. You Pew-pew-pew. can't see it. Yeah, There's she's so doing many finger wild guns. finger guns. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about killer couples. Um, I 
this was my pick, and it was just something I kind of wanted to cover because there's some yeah, really interesting couples out there. Yeah, <laughs> um, we have the same list. We basically. do have the same list. Yeah. Um, so it was just something I thought would be cool. Yeah. Uh, I think that you want me to start. You yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, so I sure went probably. Possible. I always feel like when we choose our topic, I'm like, okay, there's this obvious thing that I can do, but yeah. let me do this other thing that's also related. I try to stay away from the obvious ones. Yeah, oh. yeah. So I am going to be talking about Holly Harvey and Sandra Ketchum. Okay, ladies, ladies. Yes, like two it. ladies. Um, Holly Harvey grew up with two parents who were constantly in trouble with the law. Um, she had been abused from birth and was primarily raised by her mom. Her dad had actually been in, uh, like a car accident, I think I remember reading. So once he had gone to jail, I think for the first time after that, he wasn't really involved in her life. It was primarily her mom. Um, but her mother was also a drug addict. Mm-hmm. So she was in and out of prison as, great home as well. Yeah. And by the time she was 15, it was decided that she was going to go live with her grandparents, um, Carl, who was 74, and Sarah Collier, who was 73. And they lived in Fayette County, Georgia. Um, she, I, it, I don't think she moved there at 15, but when she was 15 is a kind of when all of this stuff happens. Okay. Um, so by that time she was at her grandparents' house. She also had this friendship that would continue when she moved out there with this girl named Sandra Ketchum. Sandra also had a really unstable childhood. Her mother had abandoned her when she was just a toddler. And over the course of her life, she had three stepmothers, one of which was accused of physical abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, she also, Sandra also had a history of running away from home and eventually she began using drugs and like traveling in and out of the juvenile system, um, by the age of 16. So that's kind of where our story starts. You have Holly Harvey, who is a 15 year old girl and you have Sandra Ketchum, who is a 16 year old girl in Fayette County, Georgia. Okay. Setting the scene. And they both, they both kind of come from these really broken households. Yes. Okay. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, Holly and Sandra, they quickly became really friends, uh, friends, really good friends. And not soon after that, they became lovers. Okay. So the two of them were dating. Um, in fact, their first hookup, so to speak, uh, occurred when they were only 13. Which is very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like, the early exposure to having this kind of sexual relationship, I think, made um, the relationship between the two of them extraordinarily serious for that age. Yeah. And honestly, it was a long-term relationship as well, because that was at 13. So by the time um, they were 15 and 16... They had been together for, like, two years or so, mm-hmm. which is a lot longer than most of my relationships, so I, can't I don't say know anything. what that's I had a yeah. three-year relationship when I was 14. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is, like, and thinking back, high school, like, oh, dating an yeah. older man. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Fuck that. Um, they were even said to be so in love that they ran, together, ran away together in June 2003. So that they could be together and live happily ever after. <laughs> um, the two, however, also like fed each other drugs and alcohol, this habit that they had. Just perpetuating their yeah. abuse, kind of. Um, yeah. And it even expanded into harder shit, like coke, speed, crystal meth. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. When you're that young. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, just a lot of exposure to a lot of really adult things at a very young age. It kind of reminds me of the movie 13. Did you ever watch that? No. Watch it. Okay. Yeah. This, the, these two girls become like super dependent on each other and they start stealing and doing drugs and just out of control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> after Holly moved in with her grandparents, which was a move that was meant to be a positive thing in her life. I feel like that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, her attitude and her actions actually did little to improve. She actually seemed to be getting like way more combat- combative with her grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, since she had relocated there. But her grandparents did their best to be this positive influence in her life. And they tried to impose rules on her. Um, They wanted her to attend church. They requested that she attend church regularly. And they were very open with their disapproval of her relationship with Sandra, um, being 15 and 16-year-old girls. I mean, that's... Not, I mean, just in general, like, I don't know a ton of parents who would be thrilled about their kids dating at that age. Yeah. It's pretty, (laughs) like, seriously. A serious relationship. And they knew that um, a large part of it, I remember reading in the articles, wasn't the fact that it was a lesbian relationship, but it was more that Sandra has this police record Mm -hmm. of being in and out of the juvenile system. Yeah. On each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So they forbid the two of them to see each other. This, of course, did not fly very well with Holly at all. And her solution to this was actually threats of violence against her her grandparents. Carl, Holly's grandfather, had actually told his son, so that would be Holly's uncle, Mm -hmm. um, Kevin, that she had explicitly been stating to them that she was going to kill both him and his wife, Sarah. Wowzers. Yes. Um, just five days after he had this conversation with his son, Carl and Sarah would be done. Why didn't yes. they? <sighs> yeah. And he had even, um, I read that Kevin, his son, had even said, if there's like any little thing, call the police, call 911. They should have took her so that she could talk to someone, like yeah. a counselor or something. But at the same time, as I feel like as a grandparent, taking in somebody um, like your grandchild and trying to help them and trying to be this positive influence. We saw the same thing with um, when we talked about our elderly killers. Mm-hmm. Um, the woman took her grandson in for the same kind of deal. Yeah. And it's just like trying so hard, trying so hard, trying so hard. You know, um, that you almost don't want to admit that you need help giving help, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not a grandparent, though, so I have no idea. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> kind of have to have a child before that, but oh, Jesus no plans Christ. here. Yeah, no um, so on an evening in 2004, Holly and Sandra were hanging out as usual. And after being out all night, the two returned to Holly's grandparents' house where they smoked some coke-laced weed. Sounds like a great idea. Right? And they listened mm-hmm. to some music in the basement, just like chilled out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, maybe not so chilled out. Well, there's maybe. coke in your weed. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> um, the two of them began discussing attempting to get more drugs to chill them out. When Sandra suggested that the no two... No drugs to chill you out. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, Sandra suggested that the two of them take Carl's car in a statement made later by uh, in court by Holly Harvey, she said she replied, we'll have to kill them to do that. 
but I didn't mean nothing by that. So at the time she said, we'll have to kill them to do that. But later she said, well, I didn't really mean anything by that. Um, probably just like a joking. Yeah. Um, so the two then go back and forth deciding how to kill her grandparents. Sandra suggested that they hit them with a lamp. However, Hollywood um, go and get, in her own words, the biggest knife I could find from the kitchen. Oh, jeez. Uh, the two got these knives from the kitchen, and then they practiced stabbing them into a mattress to make sure that they were sharp enough. Oh, we forgot our trigger warning. So this is a little, this is a little after the part of the show where we say some of this content is not appropriate (laughs) for all listeners. I mean, there's something about to get into it. What else can happen? So, um, uh, let's see. So they practiced having mattresses to make sure the knives were sharp enough. Holly's grandparents smelled the weed coming from the basement and they decided to get up and go investigate. I've also heard this talked about, like, they smoked weed in the basement on purpose to lure her grandparents downstairs. Um, Sarah went downstairs first and was attacked immediately by Holly once she was in the basement. Um, she managed to stab Sarah in the back before both of her grandparents were able to like pin her down, telling her, you're on drugs, you don't know what you're doing. Um, Sandra claims that she was hiding next to Holly's bed watching until Holly asked her, why aren't you helping me? Mm-hmm. Um, Carl was then attacked and stabbed in the chest. And at some point he was able to run upstairs, just barely escaping the attack for like a quick moment. And then what happens next is kind of this like point of contention um, when this whole thing goes to trial, because Holly insists that she hesitated before she went to go chase after her grandfather, Carl. um, And Sandra had actually told her to follow him. Although Sandra says that she didn't say that she didn't like, uh, convince her to go chase after him that Holly just went and chased after him or herself. And really this is kind of like, it factors into the question of intent mm-hmm. and whether like one of them was more the ringleader or like more right. controlling. Um, but I believe they both said different things at court about this specifically. Either way, uh, Holly follows Carl upstairs and she cuts the phone lines to prevent him from calling 911. Oh, God. Yeah. And then... Premeditation? Stabbed him. <laughs> we'll get there. Mm-hmm. And then we will... Um, or, yeah, we'll get there. Um, before stabbing him repeatedly. And, Damn it. And killing him. With yeah. the stabbing. Yes. Um, after both of her grandparents were dead, Holly and her girlfriend, Sarah, took the keys to Carl's truck, which was like this big argument that they had earlier in the day about the truck and taking the truck out. Um, they took whatever cash and jewelry they could find. And the two of them drove up the coast of Georgia to a beach on Tybee Island. There they met two boys that allowed them to spend the night at their house. But by the time Holly and Sandra woke up, the police had surrounded the house by tracking their cellular data. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they were only gone for a night. They, it was like a 24 hour cycle Mm -hmm. maybe um, before they were caught by police. Um, In the investigation following the teen's arrest, witnesses would come forward to say that the murders had been planned long in advance. And Sandra had said in a statement to police that she called friends trying to get a gun before the murders. 
police, and this part was like a little freaky to me, police would also find a to-do list in Holly's handwriting written on her arm. And the list was kill, keys, money, jewelry. Wow. Yeah. And there, I believe, have been um, a couple of books released about this case that go by that title. (laughs) Um, Kill, Keys, Money, Jewelry. Like, that's the title of the book. Uh, I just thought that was an interest. Like, the fact that they found a to-do list almost immediately points to some sort of premeditation. Yeah. You know? And she wrote it on her fucking arm. Yeah. In Sharpie? Yeah. Well, again, you gotta think. These girls, Holly is 15, Sandra is 16. Like... That doesn't seem so weird to me if you're right. just quickly I mean, trying like, to. Yeah, you wrote "kill" on your arm. <laughs> yeah, they definitely make it more evident. <laughs> they definitely like once the crimes, once once the murders that happened, didn't give much thought to like actually being captured. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh, we'll do this, and then we'll run away up the coast and just live together and be happy together. Yeah, that never happens no. ever. <laughs> no. Um. Let's see. Holly and Sandra, excuse me, Holly and Sandra would eventually plead guilty to multiple charges of murder and armed robbery. And when they asked Holly why she had killed her grandparents, she said, for Sandy, so that we can be together. Fucking yes. C-word. Um, <laughs> Holly Harvey was sentenced to two life sentences and isn't eligible for parole until a minimum of 20 years is served. And Sandra Ketchum was sentenced to three consecutive uh, life sentences. All I can do is just shake my head. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. And it seems like this is a case where it seems like things are just building, 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 mm-hmm. building, building until it's, you know... Just explodes. Yeah. yeah. Not that they, and like she had been making threats to her grandparents for a while before mm-hmm. this happened. Yeah. Um, so that by the time it happened, it almost, when they talked about it, it almost seemed like, yeah, I killed my grandparents. Like it was very, she's very like nonchalant about it. Yeah. Um, and defended it by saying she was doing it so her and Sandra could be together and this whole thing. And even Sandra was, um, like she pled guilty to the murders, but I feel like she was very much in the same mindset where it was like well if we did this we could be together they were Mm -hmm. she hated it there they were keeping her trying to keep us apart you know that kind of thing so yeah yeah so i realized mine's kind of a shorty today that's okay that's pretty fast i know i just feel like this story is a little crazy because it just happens so fast yeah I just, I mean, I want to say that I can't understand that logic but they're teenagers and there is no logic oh no (laughs) no totally not yeah I mean, and especially to be in a relationship that young so quickly mm-hmm. and so involved with one another, yeah. that's going to mess you up psychologically. Yeah. Well, hard. in addition to having abusive parents, um, parents who were not even when they were around, I mean, mm-hmm. like, they weren't around that often because they were in and out of the prison system or, like, with Sa- in Sandra's case, she was in and out of the juvenile system and they were both doing drugs at an early age. Yeah. like. And Georgia. And I mean, if I were those grandparents, I would have definitely yeah. put them into counseling right away and yeah. got some fucking help. But do you want to admit that you need help trying to take care of your 
Um, well, yeah, if, if, you, you know? if you know that your child was yeah. fucked up and they were in and out of prison doing drugs you and you know your grandchild's fucked up, you have an opportunity to stop it and break that cycle. Yeah. I just wonder how normal it was in Lafayette County for that kind of stuff to be happening. Because mm-hmm. Georgia... Is the South. So, is the South. <laughs> is the some South. Part, some parts of the South are really, like, not great areas. Yeah, don't and, talk about you know, your feelings. <laughs> yeah, so... Who yeah, knows? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. But that sucks. But also, I mean, you yeah. had an opportunity to stop it. Yeah. Yep. So what are you going to follow that up with? Um, my story is pretty fucking weird and bizarre. Is it? Ooh, yeah. I'm so excited. It's pretty fucking weird. So it is, um, <laughs> Michael Bear Carson and Susan Carson, also known as the San Francisco Witch Killers. Ooh, I have seen articles about this. Yes. Yeah, girl. They look, the, the guy looks like eerily like Manson. They I look feel very like. yeah. Manson-esque. They yeah. look like they should be part of the Manson family. Yes. It was also occurring relatively close to the time period when they started getting together and being weird. Of the Manson family. You said it was in San Francisco, right? Yeah. It actually wasn't in the far area. At all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of similar- yeah. similarities. Yeah. So what excited. am I, British? Yes. <laughs> similarities. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm so excited for this because I did see an article about it actually just a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things that I see while I'm at work. So I'm like, note to self read this later. Yeah. Like, don't read it at work. Someone yeah. might say something. Nah. Um, <laughs> well, at least where I work. Definitely. If oh, yeah. No, red flags. flags will they will be not going say off. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, Michael Bear Carson and Susan Carson, um, were married in the late seventies. Uh, they were kind of part of the, like the waning years of the hippie era. Um, they lived in Haight Ashbury district, which yes. hello, the mecca of all things hippie in San Francisco. So along with <laughs> loving true crime, um, the so called drug years, yeah. which is really I say it like that the because it's era. like the sixties, seventies, <laughs> and eighties are really kind of like the drug years. Mm-hmm. Um, I find very fascinating, oh, yes. and the many hate, of the documentaries. I've there watched. is nothing there today now at the no. Haight Ashbury. It's just like a regular average street, but I still want to go. Oh, they're so bad. Just There's a lot of history. Yeah. A lot of yeah. musical history, cultural, it's all yeah. things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like kind of the appeal to why all these people went out there. They were searching for something better, a higher truth. They wanted yeah. to bring peace and love to the they world. They didn't want to be stuck in suit coats like their parents. Yeah, they wanted to be part of a movement. Yeah. They wanted to change the world, and it was all about drugs Wait, are you describing today? Music. the 60s? Is this 2017? I, I wish it, it was today. It kind of like 2017. I mean, the music Have maybe not so much today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yes, mean, <laughs> 21 Pilots, what the fuck is that? I mean... <laughs> Sorry, I have very strong opinions about music, and we know this. Yes, I do. Um, (laughs) So, you know, they all wanted to be part of the drug, art, music, counterculture movement. Sure. Um, And it was a really big part of their lives. They were very involved in that sort of counterculture religious movement, and they kind of created their own religion, which is very, very common in what happened during this period. I mean, we have... 
the Manson family. We have the People's Temple that came mm-hmm. out of this sort of, you know, hippie culture movement. Yeah. So it wasn't uncommon. Yeah. There were a lot of, like, um, spiritual, more, like, closer to, like, Buddhism kind of yeah. things happening, mm-hmm. too. as a lot of, like, spiritual enlightenment yes. versus um, your cookie-cutter religions. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's also weird, weird blends of, of religions happening. Um the religion that they kind of started following was this weird, very counterintuitive blend of Islamic revolutionary anarchism. Okay. Let that sink in. Wait, Islamic, Islamic revolutionary anarchism. Anarchism. <laughs> I'm not even sure what that would look like. Exactly. It's a hodgepodge of nonsense. Yeah. If you know anything about Islamic like laws and culture that's very strict, very yeah. follow this guideline. And whereas anarchism is complete and utter mass chaos. Right. So to blend the two to me does not make any sense is illogical. So we'll kind of see the illogic in the crazy ass witch killing that oh, they start doing. Okay. <laughs> I wish uh, you could I'm see so my excited face. excited about this already. <laughs> uh. I'm just freaking amping you up. Yes. Okay, so they they were advocating for a revolution, and they said that there was going to be a nuclear apocalypse that was going to occur. Um, so this is kind of during the period of the Vietnam War, um, and towards the end of it, and uh, starting to go into the Cold War. So this idea of a nuclear apocalypse is pretty, you know, it could sound pretty legit. Yeah. Uh, considering the time period. Um, so they not only were involved with, like, this apocalypse sort of doomsday cult kind of thing happening, but they were, like, super into recreational drug use and mysticism. Um, so if you don't know what mysticism okay. is, I kind of briefly mentioned it in a previous episode, yeah. but um, it's kind of like uh, becoming one with God and knowing the absolute, and it refers to kind of, like, an altered state of consciousness. Right. So... They were achieving this sort of religious spiritual high through the recreational drug use, and that's kind of where the mysticism comes in. Um, but again, they said they were Islamic, which drug use is yeah. not permitted in Islam. So yeah, but again, Islamic with the anarchists so. counterintuitive. <laughs> it almost sounds blending. like they do. It almost sounds like a religion that literally wants to do the exact opposite of Islam. Right. They just call themselves Islam followers, but then do nothing at all involving Islam. Okay. Okay. So, um, during a mescaline trip, Susan heard from God that they have to change their names. So they changed their names to Bear and she changed her name from Susan with an S to Susan with a Z. That was her name change. And he became Bear Michael. Was it still pronounced Susan? Yeah. Or was it pronounced Susan? It was Susan. 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 Um, So he he changed his name to Michael because she said that he was Michael the Archangel and that God was instructing him to lead people and take them out. Yeah, believe that. I totally okay. sounds legit. And then Susan, after she had this like mescaline trip, fucking altered state of consciousness, decided that she was going to become a yoga instructor 
and bring people into their religion to save the world. Through, okay, through yoga. through yoga, the power of yoga. <laughs> and she, while she was while she was doing her yoga, instructing and trying to bring people, she claimed that she was a mystic and that she could see the past, present, and future, and that she had um, extreme knowledge of what was to come and why we should be fearful. Okay. So, so straight up, people of 2017, if you walk into a yoga studio and your instructor says, now before we get started, I just want to let you all know that I can see the past, present, and future. You need to get up and be like, bye. Yeah, that's it's not a yoga class. Go. Yeah. It's a cult. It is time to go. Um, so they claimed that... Um, this is so ridiculous. It's, it's just so... I mean, it's a nice, light story yeah. to just bring yeah. up the mood. Oh um, they claimed that they started killing people because they believed that they were witches, and that these witches were the reason why the nuclear apocalypse was going to happen. Okay. Okay? Um, <laughs> All right. So, uh... <laughs> In March of 1981, that is the uh, time period that they committed their first murder. So their first victim was 22-year-old Karen Barnes, and she was um, an actress who had just moved from Georgia to San Francisco to kind of get her start, and she had become roommates with the Carsons um, just until she could get her, you know, footing in San Francisco and start, you know, work and finding yeah. acting jobs. Um, so... While she was living with the Carsons, uh, Susan became increasingly, increasingly more um, persistent that this person was a witch and that she was not out here to become an actress. She was out here to bring down the movement. Oh, no. Um, so what they did was they, again, with stabbed her 13 times. I feel like this 13-time stabbing number keeps coming up. I wonder, is there any significance to that? Do I don't they know. ever talk about that? It wasn't mentioned why yeah. she was stabbed 13 times, but I mean. Huh. I mean, not that any significance <laughs> there would be. Because would they're batshit crazy. Yeah. I mean. But just curious. So they stabbed her 13 times and then bashed her skull in with a, um, like a, a pole that okay. was in the basement. Um, so then they proceeded to wrap her body up in blankets, tie it with twine, and hide it under the stairs of the apartment. So after they did this, they booked it to Oregon and hid there for a while. Now, the police immediately suspected the Carsons. However, because they changed their name, they were unable to find them. Uh, So... Did they legally change their names? No, Probably they not, changed right? they their name. There was like by... an alias, basically. Yeah, okay. Um, but that was what they considered their religious name. Yeah. So that's yeah. what they went by. Um, so they had a hard time trying to find them. And plus, they had mm, escaped to Oregon yeah. and they had stayed there for, I think it was, yeah, a whole year. They stayed in Oregon. And then in 1982, they decided to go back to California and they decided that they were going to reside in Northern California. So they kind of took up shop in Northern California and then became marijuana farmers in the valley. Okay. So, again, with the hippie culture here. Um, But this is where they killed their second victim. So Clark Stevens was a worker on the marijuana farm with them. And he had a little dispute and he was saying that they were stealing and they weren't really following the guidelines to working on the farm. Um, But Susan said that he was doing this because he wanted to prevent them from sharing the the weed and the word. 
the weed and the word. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like every time there's something that doesn't quite go mm-hmm. her way with this woman, with Susan, she's like witch, witch. Use a witch. You're a witch. You're a so, witch. Yeah. You're a witch. So anytime, and she comes in contact with someone who does Jeez. not agree with her, she claims they're a witch, and then I'm gonna says start they need doing to be that. See out. how far I get in my life. Oh my god. So what they did was they shot Clark Stevens. Well, uh, Bear shot Clark Stevens in the face, like direct point, fucking. Wow. To the nose in the yeah. face. Um, and they attempted to dispose of the body by burning it and then burying it in the chicken fertilizer patch in the woods okay. behind the marijuana farm. So they didn't burn the body all the way. Of and um, it, takes a, it takes a long time. You have to have... Yeah. I feel like I, I watched something that it was like, you have to have the body burning at a very high temperature mm-hmm. for like And a bonfire days. isn't going to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, it could, but <laughs> you'd still, you would still get, like, tiny fragments yes, of bone. It's be not going to turn into dust. Yeah. And in this case, there was still hair and yeah. fingerprints because oh. they didn't get rid of the hands. Um, so two weeks after they had killed him and buried him in the chicken fertilizer, he was reported missing by the farm to Humboldt County Sheriff's, and that led to the discovery of his burnt remains in the chicken um, fertilizer field um, because they did a search of the farm. Well, after they discovered uh, his body, they went um, and started searching local abandoned buildings um, on the hunt for the Carsons because they knew that it was them. Okay. Um, they <laughs> they found in one of the buildings close by, because right after they killed him, they started to book it out of there and run away. Um, they found what was believed to be, like, the Carson's Manifesto. So it was, like, their written law that they had started um, and was left behind. (laughs) So it was called Radical the Manifesto. (laughs) (laughs) Radical (laughs) the Manifesto. It was calling for the assassination of the then-president Reagan. Oh, okay. And outlined the sort of, like, drug use and the mysticism and her beliefs and that they were radical anarchist Islamic people. And it was just... A hodgepodge of nonsense. Um, so this also uh, drew them to the first murder, and now that they know that those two were connected, they're on the hunt for these people. They're considered serial killers, and they're spreading their craziness. Um, so in November of that year, of 1982, uh, Michael Carson was picked up by the Los Angeles police because they were um, – excuse me – Saw him hitchhiking in a residential area, which was illegal at the time. You weren't mm-hmm. allowed to hitchhike in uh, residential areas. Um, but due to a police error, Carson was released before the Humboldt County Sheriff's and detective could come down to question him. Oh, my God. So, um, I don't know if there was, like, some issue because they arrested him and he had all of his ID in a different name, in his original name. Right. Um, they were looking for the Carsons, not whatever the, his, I forget what his original name was, but it was something really basic and generic. Yeah. So they, uh, booked him under that name. They took a mugshot and fingerprints, however. Okay. But they released him, um, before the sheriffs could get down there because they had reported him as this, you know, they had to give a description and yeah. it was very close to the description of the person that they were looking for for the two murders that had already happened. Right. Okay. So the Humboldt County Sheriffs were like, okay, that sounds like the guy. That's not 
the name he was given, but they knew that the Cursons was an alias. So they're like, maybe it's him. Well, they got down there, they looked at the mugshot, and it sure as shit was him. So, (laughs) So in March of 1983, the following year, the Carsons again were fucking hitchhiking near Bakersfield, and they were given a ride by 30-year-old John Charles Hellier, and he was uh, driving to Santa Rosa. So Susan Bear Carson reportedly decided that Hellier was a witch and that he had to be killed. Um, I guess the discussion that they got into on the car kind of led her to believe that he was actually there to stop them instead of help them. Oh. Fucking this woman is delusional. Yeah. Um, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) So they were driving up US Route 101 in Sonoma County. An argument broke out and then it became physical, um, between Hellier and Bear Carson. Uh, resulting in him stopping the car and trying to kick them out. Well, the fight escalated outside of the vehicle, and Susan began stabbing Hellier. Um, and while they were struggling, uh, he pulled out a Hellier pulled out a gun. Um, that the the driver, and uh, Michael began to fight him for it. Eventually, Michael got control of the gun and shot Hellier in the head. In full view of motorists passing by. Oh, jeez. So these Can police... Can you imagine driving past and seeing that? Someone like, getting shot the in the fucking fuck? head? fuck? Yeah. <sighs> oh, Jesus. Um, so the motorists that were passing by, uh, actually two of them stopped and called the police. Both of them. Good. Um, then a high-speed chase ensued, and the Carsons attempted to flee in Hellier's car, but were they were both apprehended. Yeah. Um, they kind of set up a roadblock, and yeah. they basically just surrendered. Did police like um, things? Yeah, you know, like fucking throwing the tax out and stopping the, the tax. You know, that was the eighties. Right? They still use like, tax. Call <laughs> office Max. Get us some tax. We need the industrial box. Uh, <laughs> so um, they were actually set to confess at a press conference for the news. Okay, that's a sketch. Know, it was they were like going to bring them out in front of them doing an interview to the press and say that yes, we did this, we confessed. Well, they withdrew their confession at the last moment, so the press conference never went through, and they entered a plea of not guilty. Really? Mm-hmm. How? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming that they were going with an insanity plea, but it does not mention anywhere in there why they changed their plea to not guilty or what their defense was. Yeah, I wouldn't was. be surprised if they did do, um, like, an insanity. But I'm going to assume insanity because yeah. of all their religious... Yeah. Whatever the fuck that was. Yeah. Not even religion. It was Spiritual just like, I feel like this right now. Witch. <laughs> You're a witch. You're a witch. Um... So, on June 12th of 1984, the Carsons were convicted uh, first of Barnes's murder and sentenced to 25 years in prison. And then later, they went to trial over the murders of Stevens and Hellier. And for those murders, they received um, sentences of 50 years to life and 75 years to life. Okay. So, what is that all together? 25, 50, and 75 years to life. <laughs> Is it all at the same time? Yeah, to be served consecutively. Um, So in 1989, the First District Court of Appeals affirmed the third conviction, and um, it had previously done to the other two convictions, so um, they were set to send uh, them to prison for life. So they were going to kind of just overrule that and say, you're going to stay in jail to life. Good. So yeah, they're still in jail. Damn. 
Yeah. That was crazy. And it was really real fucking bizarre. crazy. There's a really, yeah. really great, beautifully written article um, on oxygen.com that oh. people put up. And yes, it's it kind of tells it in more of a story way. Last week was Lifetime. This, this week is oxygen. oxygen. I can't get away. Yeah. Um, but it's a really good article and I highly yeah. suggest it goes into a little more detail, um, a little more gruesome detail. I wanted to keep it a little lighter. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> I mean, getting shot in the face isn't light, yeah, yeah. but, you know, not yeah. as graphic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's crazy. Yeah, it was a roller wow. coaster. I have an obsession with, like, the history of, like, witchcraft and stuff. Like, I love yeah. reading about yeah. it. I want to go to Salem. I think it's fascinating that people think that, you know, witches are... You know, some sort of crazy whatever that they're gonna take over the world and kill people and they hail Satan and all this stuff. Like, yeah, I think it's funny that people still think that that is like a thing oh, I know. and it's real. Yeah, they just did actually. So funny story. Um, <laughs> they just did on I want to say it was on Crawl Space the podcast. Mm-hmm. I think I talked about Crawl Space um, yeah. a couple episodes ago. They just did a live show where they interviewed um, Lucian Greaves, mm-hmm. who is the basically the founder of what's considered to be the modern day satanic temple. And it was really, really interesting because they are very much about um, freedom of speech equality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's has less to do with religion exactly. and more to do with protecting free speech rights. But if you're interested in that, definitely check out that episode. It was really great. The guy is super funny and he is so well-spoken and just like can explain his ideas mm-hmm. very well. I mean, it, it was a really good episode. I follow yeah. a lot of people on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook um, that are considered modern day witches and yeah. followers of Pagan and Wicca. Which are all different things. Mm-hmm. Look it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but there's this woman who owns a store in Salem called Housewitch. It's H-A-U-S, the German spelling of house. Yeah. House. Housewitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sounds like a sandwich. But she has a podcast that talks about, like... Um, well, that's cool. Businesses in Salem. Oh, nice. And it's, it's very focused on feminism and, yeah. uh, like, growing a small business. But they do talk a little bit about witchcraft and things and they discuss like how it's how it's become like this sort of kitschy thing in Salem and it's like fun and everything but there's like people that still persecute these girls and boys that are you know consider themselves or identify as witches or wicca or pagan um but if you read anything about it it's just it's no different than being an herbalist or anything like yeah. that. It's it's not yeah. they're not casting spells. They're not doing all this weird no. stuff. They're just like meditating yeah. and like drinking herbal tea. So like yeah. <laughs> the, the fact that people are still like so you're chill, a witch, yeah. chill but, out about the fucking witches already. It guys. just it makes me giggle, and that's why when I found this, I was like, oh, this is a great yeah. story because it's fucking nuts. That's awesome. Like it's yeah. nuts that people still think that like. To persecute witches. Like, what? Right, yeah. It's 2017. Get your shit together. (laughs) So I know I just happened to give a podcast suggestion. That wasn't the one for this week. No, it was a podcast. That was a podcast (laughs) outburst. Yeah. 
<laughs> I love like, that. Oh, I listened to this great episode. That's like eighty percent of my conversations. Like, yeah, I was listening to this great episode. I of mentioned podcast. Insert podcast name here. Exactly. I'm almost every. Conversation. I'm pretty sure my friends are like, shut the fuck <laughs> up already about the podcast. You don't yeah. understand my life. <laughs> I know it's true. That's all I do. Um. So this week, my suggestion comes out of New Zealand. Oh, I it's love international ones. I am absolutely in love with this podcast. It's called Black Hands. Okay. And it's the story of a mass murder of a family, the Bain family. Mm-hmm. And it happened in 1994. And there were only two suspects to the crime. Um, the father who laid dead in the slaying, or the only remaining survivor, his son, David Bain. This sounds super familiar. Yeah, and you think it would be, I mean, just from that description, like, you think it would be, like, straight up, like, oh, he's the only one alive. No, it's like, it is crazy. There's these elements of religion. There's a strange incest element. Yeah, it's really, really great. They do an amazing job at kind of looking at everything, mm-hmm. like all the factors about the alibis and the way the crime scene was set up, and if things were possible, and the relationship between the family, which is really kind of strange. I mean, the family yeah. itself had this really like contentious, like strange relationship. So definitely check it out. It's called Black Hands. I know it's available on Stitcher and Pocket Cast. Um, I wasn't able to find it on Google Play, but I think they have it on iTunes. So. Probably. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's super good. It awesome. is like one that just sucks yeah. you in. And it's a, it's a one-off. I've heard that case. By the way, yeah. I think it's like 10 episodes. So okay. yeah, it's really, really good. good. I kind of like those because yeah. it gives you like a nice beginning and an end like it's, it's like nice watching rounded. a documentary almost yeah it's, yeah it's nice and rounded yeah <laughs> not just ramblings like we do <laughs> yeah no where you just listen to us week after week after um, week vicky i have some great news do you i do what is it we i love good finally news. have another itunes review Woo! thank you fucking god Woo! seriously i've been like thank you itunes god for this itunes review oh, i've been harping about yeah. it like just write a fucking it's review, true. guys, and I'll read it. So what's our iTunes review? So this one is from A. Johnson 2216. Okay. Doesn't sound familiar to me. Me um, It says, you girls are so fun to listen to. Much love from a true crime fanatic. Oh. So thank you, A. Johnson. Thank you. We Sir love you, too. Yes. Um, yeah, so please write us a review. It really does help get us um, out there more. The more we are reviewed and rated, the better chances we have of showing up in other people's suggested podcasts. Yeah. Uh, I do love word of mouth, but sometimes we need a little help True. from the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Just like we need a little help with our money situation yeah. sometimes. Beautiful segue. Thank you. <laughs> We're segue um, queens over here. Hey. <laughs> yeah, so we have started putting out what are called BT Bites, Bad mm-hmm. Taste Bites for our Patreon subscribers. They're little weekly true crime Bites, um, exclusive for our uh, $5 and over level Patreon subscribers. So mm-hmm. if you want to hear these, head on over to patreon.com 
find our page and yeah. subscribe. If you still think we are a great podcast and you want to contribute, but you don't want to subscribe, um, you can do a one-time donation to our PayPal. It's the bad taste crime cast at gmail.com. We are independently produced mm-hmm. and all of this goes to covering costs. I mean, we're yeah. literally not making money. We I don't mean, want to make money. If I you mean, listen to, I mean, we want to make money, but we it, don't need to be, be nice, rolling but in like, the dough. Just covering <laughs> our costs would be yeah, really great. Be great. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you listen to a podcast yes. and you're like, fuck, another commercial, Yeah. Um, donate and there won't be commercials. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Then we won't have to go look because for sponsors. I hate listening and to be getting so involved in the story and then all of a sudden it is like me undies yes. it's like that's great yes and no. great. there are some sponsors <laughs> that i'm like oh i need to check this out later right. and then i write them down but then yeah. hearing them every episode and it's like yeah i get it your underwear is fucking awesome i yeah. got a pair can tell we shut more, up about tell it tell me more about the mud over here <laughs> yeah you know, um, about the murder? It just helps to keep commercials out of here. It helps us to keep it coming to you every other week as we doing have been it live. doing. Yeah. Um, and it also helps us go on little trips to get, you know, research done. You know, mm-hmm. you went to Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah super fun. So it, it really does help. It's not like, yeah. please give me money. No. It all goes towards the show. literally going yeah. right back into this. Um, yeah. But also, you get fun stuff, too, from us, so it's it's a give and a take. Well, I think it's fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have all kinds of great things, and we're going to be doing our merch soon. Oh, it's yeah. Coming out. Merch, merch, merch. Um, and Patreon supporters uh, get special discount codes for their first purchase, so yes. keep an eye out for that. <laughs> well, that's been our show this week, guys. Thank you so much for yeah. listening. Our sound and editing is done by Tiff Weech. If Our music ready. it's ready this week. Our Get music it. is by Jason Z the Enigma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. Yes. <laughs> um we love talking to you guys, so thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah. And we'll talk to you in two weeks. Yes. Bye. Bye. It was as if a wave of evil washed over this town. We are all people in some form or another.